listening to Symmetry Health 360. This episode is brought to you by Symmetry Talent Solutions, the industry-leading healthcare recruitment and executive search firm dedicated solely to home health, hospice, and behavioral health. Today's episode is hosted by Eric Scharber, Managing Principal and Senior Vice President of Talent Solutions, and Wayne Reagan, Director Interim Management. Join them for this episode, continuing the conversation on Creative Solutions for Healthcare Leadership Shortages, Part 2. Wayne, good to be back with you again. This is kind of part two of our conversation around workforce. So um, happy to be chatting with everybody again. We talked for, I don't know, 25 minutes on the last podcast and scratched the surface of what organizations can do to sort of positively affect them attracting the best talent in the market, right? And so what we want to try to do is dive down just a little bit deeper and really focus on what employees are looking for. This is based on just the fact that Wayne and I and our teams interview thousands of people a year, thousands and thousands of people a year. And an interesting thing about the work that we do here at Symmetry is that everybody we interview, we ask a couple questions. I mean, we ask a lot of questions, right? We dive deep into their operational expertise, if you will. But two of the things that we always ask employees are, why did they leave their last employer? Like what made them leave? And what they're looking for in their next employer? And one of the things that I think we're really good at is not just letting an answer go, oh, I was just for a better opportunity. Like we dive deep. What was wrong with the opportunity you had, right? Like really diving deep into understanding why people are leaving. So we're going to share some of the data that we get for people on why they're leaving. But I guess to start it off, Wayne, maybe just curious from you and the work that you're doing. And again, you've been in this industry a while. You know it well. You know a lot of people. What's the thing that you hear most often when you ask people, why'd you leave? Why are you looking around? And you're right. We'll look at a resume, right? And there'll be two years here, one year here, year and a half there, two years there. And so you ask them, some people just had to get out, you know, because it was a bad environment. But when you really peel it back, there's an underlying reason. And it's either a coworker that they were having issues with. They feel that they weren't valued, feel that they weren't, treated the same, which is a big thing yeah. in organizations about some people are, are able to get away with more than others and some take on more than others. But I think folks are really looking for just all of it, the package, it really mm-hmm. package because it's culture, it's fit, it's pay, but also flexibility, the ability to go to their daughter's soccer game in the afternoon, right? Yeah. They get their work done later if they have to. And I think flexibility is a big component of what people really want. You know, what we used to have is a nine to five, eight thirty to five, eight to four thirty environment, and it's not any longer. What folks are really looking for is all of that. I think that work life balance, uh, payment, they want to be challenged in their roles. And, and I think we've seen organizations do it well. And we've seen others that don't do it well. So when I'm out talking with folks, and we've built a pretty good bench of folks that are seasoned executives that are in different points in their careers. And so when you talk to them, they say, I needed a change. Some people just want to change. They like change. They like coming and and evaluating, assessing, and then getting out. And some aren't good at that. Some are the 30-year. I want to be at the same position. I go to the same desk, and I sit there, and I do the same role every day. That's yeah. not workforce any longer. Now, the thing that struck me, the flexibility piece. So we, again, we've 
interviewed thousands of people through the years, I mean, tens of thousands. And so we kind of can rank what we hear and, and I'll share some trends in a minute, but flexibility ranks as the number two reason why yeah. people have been leaving their jobs lately. And if you think about it, we were joking the last time we were together on this podcast about how COVID changed a lot of things with workforce and it made us open our eyes to the fact that people really could go and be remote and be effective. If you think about it now, if you ask a younger person, a younger professional, millennial generation person, if you tell them, okay, for your job, I need you to get up in the morning. I need you to get dressed in your professional attire. I need you to drive across town to a job to go in and do a job that you could do sitting in your pajamas on the couch. They're going <laughs> to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're like, why? Why not to be here at eight o'clock, right traffic, the whole deal when I could do this from my couch? Now, that doesn't mean that everybody can work from 10 to two at home and ever be in the office. But what I think we've learned through COVID is we have an opportunity to be more creative when it comes to flexibility, whether we're talking about work hours, whether we're talking about in-office or remote, whether we're talking about what's our PTO structure look like, right? What's mm -hmm. our time up? All of this is super, super important, especially to this millennial generation, which as we talked about in the last podcast, is going to make up 75% of the global workforce in just a few short years. And so the flexibility piece was huge. I'll tell you the number one reason we hear that people are leaving their jobs. And Wayne, you touched on this as well. It was the relationships with the supervisor, right? Yeah. They, they have a poor relationship with their supervisor and that's an important one because, I, you know, as I'm working with organizations and, and trying to help them, whether it's leadership training or just coaching them and whatnot, I ask folks, and typically they're having some problem with turnover. And I ask them, I was like, all right, think about your organization and think about your frontline staff and who they report to. Typically some sort of a clinical manager, right? Now think about that clinical manager. Is that somebody that on Friday at five o'clock when work's over, that you want to go to happy hour with, right? And have a beverage, some dinner, whatever the case is. Is this somebody that you want to hang out with socially? And yeah. oftentimes I look at these leaders and they're like, no, nah, not really. I'm like, why? Like, well, I don't really like them. I don't get along with them. And it's like, well, we, if they for don't years, like them, then your frontline staff don't, you know? For years, we've taken a good clinician and promote them, right? But don't give them the training that they need to manage people. What's going on with personal lives? flexibility, as you said, and yeah. give them the support. They, there was a great program we had a while that called Emerging Leaders, and it taught folks, A, how to read a P&L, for example, profit and loss yep. statements, which is extremely important, but also how to manage the HR component. When you're managing people, it's difficult. It's not yeah. easy. And you do treat people differently. So there's a quote, and the woman's name is Helen it's something else, Helen something, you can look it up, but it's a real simple quote. I think I've shared it with you before, Wayne. It says, I think, yeah. you're not a leader until you've developed a leader who can develop a leader, right? So it goes right. down multiple layers. And why is that important? It's again, as you're thinking about these people who are leading your frontline staff, these are the most important people in your organization, right? The folks that are out there taking care of the patients in the homes. Well, okay. If the manager that's above them has not been developed to its point, they got put in this role and never given the tools. It's not necessarily their fault, right? Maybe they are just a terrible leader, if you will. But regardless, if they haven't been taught how to then develop the next layer, it's a ticking time bomb, right? You know, your staff is going to leave because of that relationship with the supervisor. So I'd say the first thing you can do to move that needle is think about your staff that are in any type of leadership level, whether it's just a manager or whether it's a director or a VP or above. 
And are you continually trying to develop them professionally? Are you making them a better manager day by day by day? If you can make them into a better version of themselves and a really solid leader of people, the people that are below them are going to be more excited to work with them. They're going to have a better relationship. You're going to take that number one reason why people are leaving and hopefully move the needle just a little bit. The interesting thing about that is not an overnight thing. And more interesting is the organization has to commit to it at a really high level. We had an organization a couple of years ago. This is one of the large national players within our industry that literally committed tens and tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to doing leadership training of their mid-level clinical managers. Mm -hmm. And their thesis was, or their hypothesis, I should say, was that if we can bring their skills up, make them better leaders, make them better managers of people, we can reduce our turnover. And it worked. It absolutely worked. They followed it with data. They tracked it. And by making their clinical manager level person a better leader, it improved the relationships they have with their frontline staff and improved their culture of the whole organization therein reducing turnover. So yeah, that clinical yeah. manager is really important one when you think about the relationships. I think that quote you were saying before you you mentioned it was John Maxwell, say an author and speaker that I've heard you say him before. But you know what also we're seeing too is we're seeing leaders come from other industries. That's the key. A lot of folks now at that senior level have been not been in the home health hospice or palliative care space and they're coming from an acute care setting, for example. And we're seeing that. So there's a, a learning curve, but they've been successful elsewhere. So they're being brought in to run our specific industry. And it's interesting to see because we're seeing that dynamic change coming, but they still have a learning curve. They're not that expert that has worked up through the system all the way and knows what an oasis is, for example. They've never seen an oasis. We're seeing that grooming and cultivating from other industries quite a bit as well. Yeah. I mean, as we talk about leaders, so I mentioned at the very beginning that these candidates were asking them why they're leaving. They're asking them what they're looking for in an employer. And so we've trended those out and we see a lot of very similar answers. We see a lot of, okay, we want a financially stable organization. We want honest organization. We want opportunities to learn and do new things. We get that. But the couple of things that are really important to me, I guess the first one is dynamic leadership. And meaning when you hear a candidate telling you that they're looking for dynamic leadership, they're looking to work for somebody that inspires them or an organization that inspires them, that's consistently been told to us is that that's what they're looking for. And so I would say to you all that if you look in the mirror and you know, you're looking at yourself and you think to yourself, I'm not a great leader. I'm not a really awesome leader. That's okay, because there's data out there that shows only 20% of the people that you might think of historically as great leaders. So whether we're talking business leaders, uh, military leaders, political leaders, whatever the case is, people that are thought of as a really great leader, only 20% of them are what folks would describe as born leaders, people who had it from the day one, right? So what's that mean to the other 80%, the rest of us? That means that we have to work real hard to grow in our leadership ability, right? To, to become a better leader day by day. And so if you look in the mirror and you say, I'm not a great leader, I'm not really inspiring or whatever the case may be, you could do something about it. I mean, I'll tell you, go to YouTube and just <laughs> type in that bar leadership development or something along those lines or something around leadership. It's a black hole of videos and messages and training sessions and whatnot. 
You could read books. You could get mentors. You could listen to podcasts. You could do so many things that day by day by day over time will make you a great leader. One other thing about leadership that's, I think, the most important piece to understand. Well, here, I'll tell you a story. I'm sure most folks on this have heard of a guy named Tom Brady, arguably, right, the greatest quarterback that ever played the game in professional football. I'm in Tampa, not New England like Wayne, but Brady came to Tampa to finish out his career for the last few years. That's right. right. I didn't know anything about Tom Brady really other than, okay, the guy's great, right? But I was listening to one of the, it was preseason, it was, he was on a radio show and they were asking him about, you know, what do you do in between seasons to get better for next season, yada, yada. He goes, well, I sit down and I look at every game and I think about every week of preparation and I watch every minute of game film. And then I bring my team in and I review everything with them. And then I, da, 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 and he's talking about all of these things he does to get a little bit better the next year. And so what I, it just dawned on me, I'm like, this guy's the greatest that ever played the game. And he's still trying to get better on a daily basis. Yep. Leadership, there's no finish line in becoming a great leader. You're a great leader. Okay, awesome. You can be better. You can consistently every day get better. And if Tom Brady throughout his whole career thought that I can get incrementally better next year, I think we as leaders, whether we're where we want to be from a leadership level or growing, I think we all can commit time and energy to say, let me spend 15 minutes a day reading a book or listening to a leadership podcast or watching a video or talking to a mentor to hopefully become a better version of myself because, because it's the top thing that we, after interviewing tens and tens of thousands of candidates here, that they're looking for an employer is dynamic leadership. I agree. With you. Yep. That's a really good point, but um, devoting some time to yourself to better yourself. And it's really all you're doing. And, you know, I went to pharmacy school. I'm not a finance guy, right? But I learned how to read the statement of operations and know what my key KPIs are to be better. Because if you can't manage, you can't measure and you can't evaluate and you can't make an impact. Good point. Well, listen, there's tons of other things. I think I would leave it at, I think what we've learned through the years and it's about your people. It's about building a really great culture. And that starts at the top with the top level leadership. It starts with everything that you do, do it for your people. And if you take care of your team, they'll take care of the organization. There's a great book out there that I'll leave you with that, that I mean, there's lots of them, but this one's interesting. It's called Patience Second. Patience Second. So you would think, oh, we got to put our patients first, right? This book is all about how to put your patients second. I'm sure you could guess who comes first. It's your staff. Mm-hmm. So put your staff first, treat them well, make it about them. If you do that, they'll take care of your patients. And if you do that, the outcomes, both clinically and financially and everything else will be there in your end. But thanks for spending some time again with Wayne and I. We love talking about this and I'm sure we'll come back and do it again at some point. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and and tell your friends about us and look out for future podcasts coming from our team here at Symmetry. Thank you all. Thank you.